actually gotten negative reviews on this music that we're doing at the beginning of our podcast. It's hard to believe that there's anything unlikable my about this whole heart, thing. My heart shattered when I heard that I just that that those that review, that I, scathing I'm, I'm review. Tr- I'm trying to figure out how this podcast has not received multiple awards. Oh well we've got people oh my across the what seas. Yeah, I mean, we have got people literally, I mean, there are Nigerian princes that are listening to this podcast, and we know that because they email us asking for for money. Whole countries. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, they, you know, yeah. So anyway. Wow. What are we, uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the ordinances of the church, and we're going to talk, we're going to start with baptism today, but we're going to introduce the idea of the church's ordinances. So kick us off. Okay, but okay, hang on. Right off the right off the bat, when you say ordinances. Yeah. Like C four <laughs> Explosives. Yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah. No, we're not gonna talk about that. Um <clears throat> so when we ta- when you hear when some people hear the word ordinances, the mm-hmm. ordinances of the church, um some people's eyes glaze over. Like Jonathan this seems really unimportant. It doesn't seem like it should be uh, that, that important. That's because they're not Christians. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> JK. <laughs> JK, LOL. Um, no, but w- when... It's when, really late in the afternoon yeah, when we're recording this. And we're really punchy. Oh, we're super punchy. Oh, man. Um, but no, seriously, when, when when people start talking about the ordinances and, and we say, okay, well, we're talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper. Okay, well two two ordinances, yeah. That doesn't that doesn't that that doesn't sound like it's super important. I mean uh um, Yeah, I mean I I I see how you could take things Jesus commanded and think they were not important. <laughs> yeah, you are punchy today. Yeah. Well wow. that bit. took me a second. I was like Wait. Okay, he's joking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, no. I, I think you're right, man. I think there's a general uh malaise. You know, there's just yeah. there's just a, everyone's eyes glaze over like the ordinances, we know what they are. We do them. Um you know, but do we really need to think a whole lot about them? I mean, aren't they just kind of prescriptive things that we do? Um what I think you and I want to to say to everyone out there mm-hmm. is that not only are there are they commands that we obey from the mouth of Jesus himself right um but because they come from Jesus they must be incredibly important because they come That's from true. him yeah um yeah. They, they and we'll get into this in a moment there's not like extra saving grace in these ordinances but there is a special way in which Jesus and his gospel are made visible by the by, these two institutions that he's given to the church, yeah. and so if Jesus has said that these two things I'm giving the church for the church to do that are going to exemplify and typify and yeah. signify the depth of what I have done, yeah. then we should dedicate a lot of time to thinking about them and practicing them in ways that are increasingly meaningful for our churches. I, I think I think there's some 
there's some general um not not willful ignorance but i think there's just some general ignorance out there in the in churches about why we should be practicing these ordinances like why why baptism is so important right um and there's lots of questions surrounding baptism there you know whole denominations are are fixed on this question who should we baptize baptismal views yeah that's right um and then there's a lot of churches who have differing views of of the lord's supper communion mm-hmm. um you know there's there's a lot of difference between the roman catholic church and protestant churches yep um on 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 the lord's supper but by and large i think in our i don't know what you'd call it, tribe yeah. our, our baptist sbc kind of you know tribe I'm not sure that there's a lot of understanding about the importance, like why we should not just do these things, but do them often and not just do them often, but love when they're done. Right. You know, and and for brother pastors out there that are listening, I, I think um, it's 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 unfortunate. Uh, and, I, and I don't know if every pastor out there realizes it, but by and large, I see that pastors have kind of embraced a new church growth mentality that says, sure, we know about church membership and and preaching and teaching and uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, and those are kind of the bare essentials. Right. Those are the kind of the bare essentials. Right. But if you really want to have a great church, there are things on top of that. And you and I are wanting to, I at least, uh, I want to elevate especially church membership, the preaching, the pulpit ministry, Baptism and the Lord's Supper. I want to right. elevate them off the floor of just being the bare essentials, uh, and say no. That's actually the meat mm-hmm. and potatoes of our ministry. Yeah, that's where the real sustenance of the ministry is. Is in the Word, rightly divided by biblically qualified elders, and in the administration of church membership through the right practices of baptism and the table. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, good. I, you know. Show me the kind of people that you're baptizing mm-hmm. and show me the kind of people that you're admitting to the Lord's table, and I'll show you your church in 10 years. So we're going to spend this week on baptism, today on baptism, and then and then uh, next week on the Lord's Supper? That's right. Part one and two. That's right. Okay, cool. Um, so define baptism. Uh, I like uh, Bobby Jameson's definition. Okay. He's got these little books. I would commend them to you. They're in the Church Basics series from Broadman and Holman. They're tiny little books. Yeah. Anytime. Are they even 100 pages? Um, no, they're like 65 nice. pages nice. long. It's my kind um, of book. And I would encourage you to, if you're a Christian, grab these and read them. Yeah. Um, if you're a pastor, buy a bunch of them. And anytime someone wants to be baptized, hand them a copy of Understanding Baptism, which is going to cost you five bucks. And have them read it and then meet with you. But here's what Bobby Jamison uh, says. Uh, Baptism is a church's act of affirming and portraying a believer's union with Christ by immersing him or her in water. And a believer's act of publicly committing him or herself to Christ and his people. Thereby uniting a believer to the church and marking off him or her from the world. Hmm. Now that's that's a pretty long definition. It's dense. So let's kind of unpack that. And the first thing that I want to focus on is the fact that he said he he has two parts to each definition. Uh, a the baptism and the Lord's Supper both, but for this week, baptism is both an individual act mm-hmm. and a corporate act. And by corporate, you mean the the gathered body. Okay. Yeah, from the Latin corpus, corporate, okay. the okay. body, body. 
Okay. Um, I think most Baptists, like in our in our context here at Lake Wiley Baptist Church, mm-hmm. I think we've been trained pretty well to think of baptism as an individual act. Right. How do you as an individual want to show that you're a Christian? Well, I get baptized. Right. Yeah. That's the first step. In, I'm going to get up. That's the first I'm going to get up in front of the people. I'm going to I'm going to go down into the pool and get dunked. Yeah. By and, the pastor. And that's why most of us Baptists encourage pretty immediate baptism right after profession of faith okay. because we've thought well about it being an individual act, right. which it is. Right. Right. We're not. Right. It's not less than that. But one of the things that I've become convinced of is that baptism is not just an individual act. It's okay. also an act of the body of Christ. It's a corporate act. Okay. So that means that whenever someone comes forward in a church, a Protestant gospel preaching church, and they go under the waters of baptism, the minister who is administra- uh, administering the baptism and the person going under are not the only people acting. Yeah, that's amazing. People don't think about that. No. Oh. So so talk about that for a minute. I mean, you know, I just said all that, and you're like, man, that's amazing. But what to explain okay. to everyone who's listening, what's amazing about what's what amazing I just said? About it? Well, again, I mean, again, you're 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 bringing up something that I think historically has has been there in the distant past. Mm-hmm. So Baptist churches have historically taught that baptism is a both and relationship between the congregation and the believer, mm-hmm. not an either or. Right. And and I think um, in the recent in the recent history that we've had, especially in the SBC, we've made it like what you said, we've made it an individual thing. But the, what's so amazing about the recovery of this idea that baptism is also for the sake of the church is because when a, a person who is saying I'm united with Christ when they are doing that, they're they're essentially asking the church to affirm mm-hmm. and accept their betrayal, uh, betrayal. Sorry, portrayal, portrayal right. of being united with Christ right. through um, death, burial, and I am, and, and I'm, resurrection. I'm professing to be a Christian yeah. publicly as an yeah, individual, yeah, yeah. And, and in the, doing that, they're asking the church. And then the church. What do you think about that? The church looks. Right. They behold. They witness. They, um, they, uh, yeah, they, they, they witness this act and they affirm it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's an amazing thing. And we don't really, uh, here, okay, here's a, here's a charge that we, here's an accusation <laughs> that we kind of hear from our, uh, um, our, um, uh, brothers and sisters who baptize infants, mm-hmm. like Presbyterians or uh, Anglicans wait, hang or. On who sprinkle infants. They don't baptize them. I'm sorry. Yeah, sprinkle. Yeah. Uh-oh. Shots fired. <laughs> um, uh, they sprinkle infants. It's not really baptism. But uh, they would say it's baptism, and and, and they're trying to follow Jesus and, and all that stuff. But um, they, they, they say about our doctrine of baptism that this is all centering on the individual. And we're saying, oh, no, 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 no. Right. It's That's not good. just the individual. This is actually about the church's affirmation of someone's um, public profession of faith, public right. profession of faith and repentance and being united to Christ. Absolutely. That's really helpful. Yeah, and so I think I think you just want to train. I, Lake Wiley, I want us to train ourselves to understand anytime we put someone under the water of baptism— 
that's not just them making a public statement. That's us making a public statement to every lost person in the room that that person going underwater, that's what a true Christian looks like. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, we're making, we're drawing a clear line around the flock of God and saying these people are sheep and these people, you know, they might be Christians, but they're not publicly following Christ in obedience. In Bobby's definition right there that you just read, he's he's saying that the believer is publicly committing himself to the local church. Right. And and thereby um the believer is united to that church. Right. He's committed to it, he's committing himself to it, and then he is united to that church. Yeah, and and so so therefore so there, I'm sorry to cut you Go off. Ahead. Well, I forgive you for cutting me off. Um the uh okay. <laughs> score one, Pete. Um therefore um uh the church and the believer when the when baptism happens, it's absolutely connected to church membership. Right. It's amazing that that baptism is inseparable from the doctrine of church membership. And this is why you and I are already discipling parents to understand we're going to be very slow to baptize children. Yeah. We're going to be very slow. Like five-year-olds, six-year-olds, Like we're just going to be very slow because it's not just an individual act. No. It's the church's act of actually looking at someone. That's right. And in the same way, I would be slow to to baptize someone who was new on the scene. I remember early in my ministry, uh, there was a guy that showed up, wanted to be baptized, had a, had an incredible profession of faith and clearly understood yep. the gospel. Yep. And uh, I, I had kind of come from a church that just baptized very quickly, uh, brought this guy before the church, baptized him, never saw him again. He stopped answering my phone calls. It was crazy. Wow. And then what happened was it caused all kinds of questions in the church. Oh, Where sure. Where is he? Sure. What happened? Was he a real Christian? And so... You're, you are, by who you baptize, you are saying this is what a real, dedicated Christ follower, uh, true profession of faith looks like. Yeah. All right, so um, individual act, corporate act. Let's talk for very briefly, just a few minutes on, I, when I lead people through baptismal counseling, I usually focus on three other things. Um, I focus on what is ba- what is the meaning of baptism, who's a proper candidate for baptism, and what is the proper mode. I think that the perception that most non-Baptists have of Baptists is this. Oh, what matters most to you guys is that someone gets completely wet. Mm. Immersion is like at the top of your priority list when it comes to baptism. And a lot of people are surprised when they find out that immersion is not at the top of my list. Mm. It's important, um, but it's not at the top of my priority why, list. Why isn't it at the top of your priority list? Here's why. I would much rather be Cuz you're not you're not making friends right now. No, I'm not. With Baptists. No, I'm not. Because because immersion is very very important it to, is. to a lot of Baptists. And I would and I would say this just to clear the air anyone that I baptize um I, I immerse. Right. Uh I don't leave it up to their decision what would they prefer right. or anything like that. So right. immersion is important. Right. But uh, historically speaking, there are other issues that are far more central to Baptist distinctives mm-hmm. than mode, okay. whether you pour water on or immerse, or immerse someone. Most important has been the meaning of baptism. Specifically, does baptism save us, or is it symbolic of the salvation we already possess? 
this is one of the ways in which all Protestants uh, differ from Roman Catholics. Right. We don't believe that the waters of baptism are necessary for our justification. Right. We're justified by faith alone. So that's number one. Everyone pretty much gets that. And why that's more important than immersion. It's because whether you believe in immersion or not, you can have a right view of the gospel. Right. But if you believe that baptism is saving, you've got a distorted gospel, which Paul says is not a gospel. Yeah. And it's not just the Roman Catholic Church. It's Church of Christ. That's right. Church of Christ denomination. They believe in what's called regenerational right. baptism. Yep. They believe that once you enter the water— Or baptismal regeneration. Right. Yeah. Regenerational. Bapt- I like yours better. Yeah. Baptismal regeneration. Um, they believe that when you enter the water, when you're dunked, it washes—it's just like yeah. the Roman Catholic doctrine. It washes away yeah. original sin. Right. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, so that's most important, meaning it's It's symbolic. symbolic. Not, it's symbolic. Not saving. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, two. It's not regenerational. It's not regenerational. <laughs> I'm growing that I'm I'm actually like that word now. Yeah. That's good. Um, secondly, in the tier of importance for me is having the proper candidate. Okay. To me, far more important than whether or not we pour water on someone's head or put them all the way under. Yep. Is is the person who's going under the water. Yep. Are they a professing believer or an unbeliever? Right. And we think that the scriptures are absolutely clear Mm -hmm. that anyone who goes under baptism must first be a believer. Right. There's a prerequisite to baptism. Right. And that's faith in Christ. Now, the the argument that we'll get back from that is— uh, you know, some some confessions, like the Westminster Confession says that, um, and also the Heidelberg Catechism would say that uh, uh, believers are baptized with or along with their whole households. Yeah. So whole families are baptized because they believe in what's called familial uh, solidarity. So what what would be your response to that? With, um, you know, a com- a common text would be uh, the Philippian jailer. When the yeah. Philippian jailer was converted in uh, in Acts, uh, you know, Paul and Silas went to his house, preached the gospel, and right. then he they baptized his his household. So how how would you answer that question about, you know, because that that ties into what we're you know it ties Absolutely into the question of does. what is a proper Absolutely candidate. Absolutely does. The, the question ultimately is about who is a part of the covenant community, and uh, based on Jeremiah thirty-one, the only people that are a part of the covenant community that receive then the sign of the covenant are those who have a new heart. Right. And the only way you get a new heart is by faith. Yeah. And so we could talk about individual proof text, but for me, that's the argument yeah. to be made. Well, and if you Who's keep the, on reading in that in that passage about the Philippian jailer, uh, in the context of all of these passages that are used, it's Paul and Silas. Paul goes, preaches the word, and they all repent. That's right. And they believe the gospel. Yeah. And you can't do, and, and it's impossible to do as an infant. And and. and the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge years and years ago and just kind of put what was the last nail in the uh, coffin, I guess, mm-hmm. was um, John's baptism in Matthew's gospel. He was calling people out to the Jordan 
uh, and it was a baptism of repentance. So right. the very context, even before Jesus appropriates that ritual for the church, yeah. the context is the Pharisees couldn't be baptized. Why? John says, because you're not repenting. Wow. So anyway. So proper candidate proper candidate for baptism is someone is who a is, believer. A, is, is a professing believer. That's right. Okay, now good. third is mode, proper mode. And we do believe that immersion is the proper mode. Now there's no home run verse that we can go to and say, um, see right there it says the only way that is proper to baptize someone is to immerse them. But we can make a collective argument. And here's the collective argument. Number one, baptizo, first century word that means immerse. And just about every single place we see baptisms happening in the New Testament, they're going out to rivers, they're going down into the water, they're coming up out of the water. And so if pouring or sprinkling were the proper mode, there would it would just it would make all of that superfluous. Right. Right. And, and, right. And when the and I mean, we get the word baptize, like you said, from the word baptizo. Right. And and that's just I mean what what the King James translators should have done was just translate oh, love, what, what they what should have right done. There. I know, but I'm serious about this. What they should have done is just translated the word and not transliterated it. Right. It, we get it, the reason why baptize sounds like the word baptizo is yep. because it never got translated. It got transliterated. Yeah, his name is not John the Baptist. No, it's the it's, it's John, John the, the immerser. immerser. Yeah, <laughs> jinx. Yeah, it is. I mean, it baptizo is translated right as immerse, right. and so it, so it yeah mode mode is is important. It is important. it is important. Yeah, uh, when we baptize people, we only immerse them if they're being baptized. Now we have had, um, I, I have I have made a qualification for for one brother that we brought into membership here. He stood as an adult and professed faith in a uh, gospel-preaching PCA church. Mm-hmm. Um, Presbyterian church. Yeah, Presbyterian church. Yep. And as as a, as a uh, believer, as an yep. older believer, he, he, um, he went under the waters of Presbyterian baptism, but he wasn't immersed. Yeah. I, I personally am not willing to look at that and say, that's not baptism. Right. You have to under, you have to get all wet. Right. There's some Baptists um, that think, you need to get all wet, and they sure. would not receive someone like that into membership until they got all wet. Sure, I think either is a fine position. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight or separate from anyone because that was a position they held. Right. Um, what do you believe? Just real quickly before we tie this up. Yeah. Uh, what do you believe about rebaptism? There's no such thing. There's no such thing as rebaptizing. No, there's there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The scriptures <laughs> say, uh, and so what that means is that when someone, if someone is a true believer and uh-huh. they've been immersed in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit by a gospel preaching church, then they've been baptized. Uh, so I, I, if if you think you were a believer and you went underwater, but You've recommitted your life to the Lord, which I don't like that terminology at all to begin with. Well, you okay. Well, you've okay. had a you've, re- repi- you've, you've had repented a revival of, of your repi- soul. You've repented of sin. Yeah, sure. you've sure. been. You know, the Lord's done an extraordinary you, work in your heart. You've been maturing as a Christian. Right. Great. Um, if you were not answer, a Christian when you got when you got uh, dunked, if you were not a Christian, then that's not baptism. Then that's not baptism. So then you should be baptized. Then you right. should be baptized for the first time. But don't call it rebaptism because no it's thing. not rebaptism. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So next week we'll talk about uh, the Lord's Supper, and uh, we'll we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap up this short discussion of the ordinances with the Lord's Supper. Until next week, 
Thanks for stopping by. Take care.